You're listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Brought to you in association with OvertimeIreland.com. Now, here's the OTI guys. Hello and welcome along to the OTI Podcast. My name is Colin Kelly and I'm joined once more on the show by Mr. Doug Moore and... uh you know, we're going to be joined on today's show, I'm very excited to say, in a few moments by uh, Ross Tucker. Uh, I'll be doing that solo, something I recorded earlier, and uh, then we'll also be giving our thoughts on uh, all the, the playoff games coming up this week. Obviously, this season we've been uh, looking at everything kind of from a fantasy angle all the way through the season, but for the next couple of weeks we'll be looking at it just from the, the game perspective, and uh, it's something that I'm looking forward to, to doing, obviously. Uh, looking up still and researching uh, for the games, but not quite as much as what has to go into to trying to know who to tell you to set in your fantasy lineups each and every week. But uh, Doug, as always, uh, it's great having you on the show. Yeah, considering I'm uh, I'm not as ill this week, I, I'm yeah. uh, lucky that I'm not dealing with the flu. Or I'm at the very back end, I guess you could say of it. But yeah, no, we're we're in uh, we're in playoff season now, which uh, is a nice change of pace from you know talking about fantasy, which. Fantasy's never a bad thing, but, you know, it's always nice to, to look at it from the other side for once. Yeah, that kind of week 14, 15 has started to feel like a, it can feel like a bit of a grind as as uh, some of your teams don't make the playoffs, can make it a little bit tougher. Uh, but obviously, Doug last week was very under the weather with the flu, and we all know here on the show that Doug isn't the doctor, but Doug, did you have to go to a doctor to, to get healthy? Uh, right before I came on the show, I, I, found, I had gone to the doctor's, <laughs> And uh, I had found out I'm not only dealing I was not only dealing with the flu, but a sinus infection. So um, I I, uh, I persevered through um, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm on the back end of everything. But uh, all my life is resumed and and uh, I'm ready to go. That's uh, Doug playing the Ben Roethlisberger card with uh, after <laughs> the game. Uh, he will let you know exactly how hard he was and how much he made it through and battled through. But uh, we'll be talking about Big Ben uh, later on the show as we preview that Pittsburgh playoff game. But obviously you talked about uh, the regular season being over and it is playoff season. Well, the Packers last week beating the Detroit Lions to win the division, something that I enjoyed uh, quite considerably, I must admit. And uh, Doug, obviously the Patriots rolling again, uh, as we kind of have come to expect. They lock up the number one seed. They have a nice uh, bye week this week to rest up so you can watch the games this week without any real concern as to, to what's going to happen. But uh, the Patriots again rolling. But my, my big takeaway from that Patriots game was, and I've watched this a lot more than any Patriots highlight all season, was that Michael Floyd block, uh, a thing of beauty. Did you did you enjoy that on Edelman's touchdown? I did. It was it was uh, quite the thing. And, and when you think about it, he made a couple, you know, he made a couple big plays in, in uh, Malcolm Mitchell's absence. You know, he had the the uh, I don't know which was bigger, you know, because he had the, the huge block, which, you know, Floyd has always been known for being one of the better blocking wide receivers in the league, which, you know, it's always a good thing to have, especially for a run game as the Patriots have had this season. But uh, the other thing is, you know, he had a he caught a He caught a pass at about the four yard line. Yeah. And there was probably about three or four uh, dolphins on him, you know, trying to tackle him. And he was able to somehow, you know, power his way through into the end zone, which is another terrific play. You know how quickly, you know, Patriots Nation can either love or hate somebody depending on how they do. And and certainly people are looking past uh, very quickly his uh, ugly DUI arrest earlier because of uh, what he's done. So he's been a welcome addition. I think, uh, you know, the Patriots are, are going to definitely – uh, be in better shape because of him, not only in receiving but in, in blocking as well. 
Yeah, obviously with Gronk being out as well, they lose a, a major part of the blocking game. Obviously, Bennett can fill in on that, but it's great to have that physical aspect. The year they won the Super Bowl two years ago with uh, Branton LaFell, I know uh, we kind of some people snigger and joke about him uh, how he's played this season. I think he's probably played a lot better than some people realize, but physically uh, had a had a great role that season in blocking for for the Patriots as a wide receiver. So I think Floyd can fill into that. And you mentioned the DUI, you know, whenever it was three weeks ago, we were thinking. Will he get another opportunity? Then he signs with the the Patriots, and now he's probably on his way to play in the Super Bowl this season. So things can turn around so quickly, and we'll see how his off season uh, things handle with uh, the law, obviously. But at the moment, he's a, a valuable asset to the New England Patriots. Um, obviously, listening to the show, you can obviously find us on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, all the ways to listen to the show. You can stream it as well at OvertimeIreland.com. Check out all the ways uh, on the website there as to how to uh, subscribe on iTunes and so on. Please do that. Rate and review it as well. It obviously helps boost us up those iTunes rankings or whatever device or uh, format you do listen to it on. This week as well for the playoffs and each week for the rest of the playoffs I will be giving away uh, an Overtime Ireland t-shirt courtesy of myself obviously (laughs) promoting the brand here and uh, it'll be on Twitter as well so be sure and check that out this coming weekend for those playoff games. I might even give away one on Saturday and Sunday so do check that out. But I mentioned earlier at the start of the show that I'm going to be joined by Ross Tucker for a segment uh, and that's going to come up here right now and then uh, we'll be back on the other side and me and uh, Doug will finish off the rest of the playoff game so... Hi, this is Greg Rosenthal, and you're listening to the Overtime Ireland Podcast. Joined now in the podcast by Ross Tucker. Uh, a lot of our listeners I know already listen to his great podcast, or podcasts, I should say. Obviously, the Ross Tucker Football Podcast is, uh, you know, his kind of pride and joy on his podcast network, but he also has the Even Money Fantasy Feast and, of course, the College Draft as well. Ross has been on the podcast a number of times before and uh, a former offensive lineman in the uh, NFL. But you can pretty much find him everywhere now uh, on sports TV or radio with Sirius XM or else NBC Sports Network as well. But Ross, uh, thanks for jumping aboard the show. It's uh, It's been too long. It is my pleasure. Anytime, Calm. I love being on with you guys. Uh, obviously, Ross, um, this past week, uh, we all know that people talk about Black Monday. It was almost kind of like a, a very, very dark uh, Sunday rather than a Black Monday this time around. This past week, uh, obviously, Rex Ryan lost his job uh, prior to that, but then Mike McCoy and Chip Kelly also losing out uh, on their spots since that as well. That was on Sunday. But, you know, some of this, uh, and I know I listened to your podcast this week, and you were talking about how, you know, things were leaked out with Chip Kelly's, uh, you know, supposedly going to be fired a couple of days kind of that Saturday night uh, before it happened but a lot of these do seem to leak out to the press do you think this uh, you know rather than everyone how it used to be on a Monday it's going to continue to get earlier and earlier we've seen it with you know a couple of the coaching changes you know with the Jacksonville Jaguars with the Rams uh, teams moving on earlier to get that kind of kick start on the, the coaching search ahead of the other teams well first of all I didn't even realize I was talking with you Colm what's up with them Firing all the Irish guys, Rex Ryan, Chip <laughs> Kelly. I, I mean, That's not what's the good. deal with that, man? Are you, are you taking that personally? Well, uh, my surname's actually Kelly. It's Colin Kelly. And, uh, you know, I don't know. Chip's no relation. I've no, I've no, there's no other chips in the family, but uh, I'm taking it to heart. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's interesting because there used to be in-season firings. But then what happened, Colm, is sometimes those teams, they would name an interim coach. And they went, then they would go on a run. Yeah. And pressure to stick with them then. Yeah, yeah. Then then several times the you know, the the organization then got pressure from the fans and the coaches 
you know, to stay with them and the players more importantly. And so then they would, and that rarely turned out well. So more and more teams had really just been, you know, hanging on to their guys and just keeping them through the end of the year to avoid that uncomfortable deal where the interim guy goes on a run. So now it's almost like there's a, there's a happy medium, whether it's Rex Ryan with a week left or Gus Bradley with a couple weeks left or Jeff Fisher, where, you know, you keep him long enough so that the interim guy really doesn't have a chance to get them on any type of extended run or anything like that. Cause he's only the coach for a few weeks. It's almost like it's evolved over time. Yeah. And uh, I didn't mention there as well, uh, Gary Kubiak, uh, also stepped away from the Denver Broncos. He is retiring uh, due to health reasons with him, obviously winning the Super Bowl with them last season. So at the moment now, there's six vacancies uh, around the National Football League. But I want to get your opinion, Ross, on who you think uh, out of those roles would be uh, the best for any possible candidates going in and then which you think uh, as well is probably the worst, uh, you know, of those vacancies that are available. Well, it's interesting because it really depends on what you're looking for. Um, you know, if... If you want the best chance to win a championship and the best chance to have immediate success, I think you're probably looking at the Denver Broncos just because of that defense and because of what they've shown that they can do. Uh, I mean, they just won it last year. Now, some coaches will look at that and they'll be a little scared off by that because of the expectations that are then there. You know, that's a two-way street. Yeah. So if you're looking for a chance to win a championship as soon as possible, like a Super Bowl, I think Denver's the place to go pretty clearly. If you're looking for the best opportunity to succeed long-term and to have a chance to show what you can do, I think Jacksonville as well as San Francisco are really good fits. Jacksonville, you know, the way they look at it a lot – call them these coaches they look at it like okay where's a what division are they in yeah and how quickly can i compete in that division and i think they look at it and think you know what i might be able to compete pretty quickly in the afc south jacksonville has a talented roster and the owner shad khan has shown he's very patient with what he did with gus bradley so i got a patient owner i got oodles of cap room i have a decently talented roster, and I've got a, a, a bad division that if I get to 10 wins, I'm winning that baby. So I think a lot of guys will look at Jacksonville favorably. San Francisco has a lot of those same things. You know, Jed York has fired coaches one and done two years in a row. So the chances of him doing that again are extremely unlikely. So you got to feel pretty good about your chance to get at least two years if not three years, as the head coach. And so you got to feel pretty good about that. And then you get to come in with the GM at the same time. And hopefully it's a deal where it's sort of a package deal. Like me and this guy are together. We are tied at the hip. As opposed to San Diego or Jacksonville or some of these other spots where you know you're supposed to be tied at the hip, but you're really not. Yeah, and San Diego as well, obviously with the, you know where the team will be in the next couple of years, whether it's next year, two or three years down the line, leaves a lot up in the air there as well for anyone coming into that role. Uh, also with the, the 49ers, they're eating 
uh, in around the seventy million dollar mark for uh, the coaches that they've let go over the last kind of three or four seasons. So not good for uh, Jed York there from the financial side of things. But you mentioned the possibility of taking over the Jacksonville Jaguars and you know having the chance to to go in there to maybe a weaker division and have a chance to win it. Well, the first game we're going to talk about in this week's wild card round is uh, the team that won that division, uh, the Houston Texans. And by all accounts, this season they haven't been anything uh, all that special defensively. They have been uh, quite, quite good at times, but offensively they have been a huge disappointment, obviously, with Brock Osweiler coming in. His contract uh, from leaving the Denver Broncos as a free agent, obviously, Tom Savage was starting ahead of him kind of halfway through uh, two games ago, and then the last game, unfortunately for him, he did get a concussion. He is going to be out this week, so Osweiler's back in the frame again. It's just, this is one of those games where it's, uh, I don't know, playoff hopes for either team, I think, are very, very slim. One of them, of course, has to win this week. We'll see how it goes after that but the other side of it is uh, Connor Cook starting for the Oakland Raiders uh, he will be the first quarterback ever to, to have his first start as a, a playoff game I seen earlier today so it's, it's going to be nothing uh, you know spectacular at the quarterback position I think we'll see a very conservative game I think this will be a low scoring game how do you see it all shaking out of course this one being played in Houston well, the, 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 the thing that you mentioned that's interesting is you're right. I don't really see either one of these teams going very far yeah. in the playoffs. Um, but that being said, I think you can look at it and it's an accomplishment for anybody to actually go ahead and win a playoff game. I mean, you win a playoff game, that's a feather in your cap for Del Rio. That's a feather in your cap for whoever, for Bill O'Brien, it's something that nobody can ever take away from you. Remember, what do we say about Marvin Lewis all the time? He has, has won never a yeah. won a playoff game, yeah. right? So um, I, I think that that's the, that's the way they're looking at it. In terms of the game itself, i got to go Texans here, Colm, yeah. because you know these teams played earlier in the year, and I thought the Texans, for the most part, got the better of the action. That's when the Raiders had Derek Carr. Brock Osweiler lit them up. He's got experience. He's played in big games. Just hard to know what to expect from from Connor Cook for the Raiders. So I'm going to take the Texans in that one. Yeah, huge question marks obviously over him. I know Brock Osweiler has had his uh, set to our problems this season, but I think we can uh, can know what we're going to get from him. Lamar Miller back in this one, uh, back from his ankle injury, so I think that'll help them as well. And I'm looking forward to seeing uh, more so to the defensive side of the game. And this uh, Jadavion Clowney has come on strong in the second half of the season, and Khalil Mack as well has had a, a tremendous year for the Raiders so that should be interesting I, I'm the same as you I think I have to lean with the or with the Houston Texans of course this game in Houston as well as I mentioned and you know the the air seems to have gone out of uh, Oakland's kind of surge obviously with Derek Carr uh, going down two weeks ago and it, it didn't look like they had a, a lot to play for last week either the next game uh, going forward is going to be the second game this Saturday it's the Lions heading to the Seahawks obviously the Lions losing to the Packers uh, this past week lost the division and their prize for that is traveling to face the Seahawks in Seattle. Uh, the Lions now lost three straight uh, to finish the season. Uh, and in terms of road playoff games in their history, it hasn't been all that successful either. They are 0-10 in road playoff games. And then if you look at the Seahawks, we all know how good they are at home. They are 5-0 and under Pete Carroll in home playoff games. But this game is, uh, you know, all season long, I've been talking about how Seattle's offensive line has had their huge struggles. And I know, Ross, uh, that's something that you can talk about. But uh, the rest of the team as well is a little banged up, but you usually look at a poor offensive line, the opportunity for a defensive line to try and get at them. Well, 
the problem with this is that uh, the, the Lions over the last uh, seven games have only had six sacks. They rank, rank 31st in the NFL in pass rush to this season. So it's going to be a really tough one for them to exploit that matchup. But as bad as the, the Seahawks O-line is, do you think that is an opportunity for the Lions to, to make that work? Or do you think the, the Seattle Seahawks will have just enough with uh, how the Lions have struggled in that department? You know, I think this is going to be a really close game. I'm surprised that the line is what it is yeah. right now um, because this Seahawks defense is not the same, Calm, ever since they lost Earl Thomas. They're just not. And offensively, you mentioned the offensive line. They really struggle to run the football. Big, so big you get one-dimensional, that makes it tough. And the Lions still have guys like Ziggy Ansah and, and Kerry Hyder and Haloti Nada. So I think it's a field goal game one way or the other. I'll go with the Seahawks because they're at home and because of my faith in Russell Wilson to to be able to create with his feet. But this is far, far, far from uh, the lock that I feel like a lot of people are acting like it is. Yeah, I was just even looking through the internet prior to doing some research on it and looking, you know, every article or everything that seems to come up was just everyone was so certain that the Seahawks will win. But I kind of have the feeling that people have watched the Seahawks this season or maybe even haven't watched them, just seen those results roll in, see their win column continue to tick up and think that, all oh, this is the Seahawks and, you know, they're playing at home and what we expect from them. But I have not been impressed with them this season at all. The only time I thought they had a, a particularly good game was against the, the Patriots where they won with that goal line stand towards the end. And that was the last time I kind of seen them and thought that they, they looked very good. They've been very, very inconsistent. And as a Packers fan as well, I was you know kind of surprised at how easily the Packers dealt with them at home and that, that blowout went against them. So do you think that maybe the, the media and of course the casual kind of watcher too has kind of maybe overestimated the Seahawks and just think of them as how they have been for the last kind of four or five years and haven't really uh, evaluated how they're playing this season? A thousand percent. You hear people talk about them and they say, oh man, that defense, oh, that defense. And to which I would say, what do you mean, oh, that defense, that, that average defense right now? <laughs> so that's, that happens a lot. I also think that there's just a sense, I guess, that they'll be able to turn it on in the playoffs and maybe they will, but I, I wouldn't be counting on that. Yeah, I feel the, the same way as you. My problem, though, is the Lions, you know, they've cooled down. Obviously, um, Matt Stafford has uh, had his issues with the injury, and then they really have no run game at the minute. They're down to, to Zach Zenner. So I, I don't know if they'll have enough to get over the the line, but I do think this is going to be a lot, lot closer. And I think, you know, if you're if you're betting it against the spread, I think I would definitely be leaning on the Lions side of things. So those two games kind of look true. I'm going to try and force your hand now for a prediction. Obviously, it's only wildcard weekend, but if you're picking now as to who you think will win it all come uh, February, who who are you uh, feeling good about at this point uh, winning the Super Bowl? You know, if I had to do it right now, I, I would say it's going to be the Cowboys and the Patriots. And I would take the Patriots to win it all. Yeah. Uh, now, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody else knocks them off. I don't think either one of those teams is necessarily dominant, but... It's been the number one seed three years in a row for a reason. The Patriots are awfully tough to beat at home. Their divisional round game will be uh, not very hard. So it's really going to come down to their championship game. I think they'll get it done in that one-game situation. Then I have faith in them in a one-game Super Bowl situation. So I would say Patriots-Cowboys Super Bowl with the Patriots taking it home 
Number five for Belichick. <laughs> yeah, only number five for, for them. Uh, they've had a tough time up there in New England. I, I agree with you. Uh, I, I think I'm far more excited about the NFC side of things. Obviously, I'm hoping the Packers will be there. I don't think they, they will make it there in the end, but I'm interested to see how the Falcons do as well uh, as they progress here. But I, I can't see anything other than the Patriots making it to the championship game and then, of course, see if they, they make it to the, the Super Bowl. So it's going to be an interesting uh, all the way over the next couple of weeks. But as always, Ross, it's been a, a pleasure having you on the show. All the listeners, I'm sure they're following you already, Ross. But it's at Ross Tucker NFL, and I mentioned the great podcast he has at the start of at the start of the segment. But Ross, anything else that you want to give a, a plug for while you're on? Well, just if people aren't following me on Twitter, you can absolutely hit me up on Twitter at Ross Tucker NFL. Um, that way, you don't miss any of my podcasts or any of my terrific insight. Um, you know, I don't, <laughs> I don't want anybody to miss one l- little tweet. So, like I said, just go ahead and. And go to at uh, Ross Tucker NFL on Twitter. If you're a Facebook person only, facebook.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. Hi, I'm Chris Harris of the Harris Football Podcast, and you are listening to Overtime Ireland. So that was Ross Tucker. Uh, always appreciate when he stops by on the show. Enjoy going through the games with him there. Obviously, I did cover uh, with him the Oakland-Houston game, Doug, and the Lions at the Seahawks. Uh, anything you want to add on those two games? How do you think that uh, Oakland-Houston game go? Are you excited to see Osweiler versus uh, Connor Cook? Yeah, this is this is just an ugly, ugly matchup. You know, <laughs> obviously, you know. A couple of weeks ago, the Raiders were riding high. You know, they had a chance at the number one playoff spot. And uh, they, they looked like maybe the team that could beat the Patriots. And, and obviously, we saw what happened with Derek Carr. And then how quickly the, the Raiders, you know, underperformed without him. And it's it's a real troubling concern. And the one thing I'll say is I think that the, the Texans have a big, a good chance in this game. Not only because of the, the quarterback uh, situation for Oakland considering that they're playing Connor Cook, which they confirmed today. But the Texans are used to this all season. They're used to the play of Brock Osweiler. They're used <laughs> to the play of... Serious, they've already we, we, I'm it. just after, It's just after coming into my mind when you said that. We look back to the Denver Broncos this time last year, and we probably had some similar feelings uh, as to how they were built. You know, it was kind of run-based, it was defensively based, and Osweiler was also part quarterback in that with Pitt and Manning. So are we about to see a run here from the Texans? No, I'm just – I'm not saying a run for the Texans. Saying is that unlike unlike Oakland, Houston is already – already knows right, what they're all getting. All season long, yeah. Yeah, they've already adjusted to it. They know – they don't have to strengthen one other area because, you know, they're a playoff team. Even if it's a weak division that they won, they did it with horrible QB play again this season. Um, you know, so I, I think this is a team that – you know, could really could could really give Oakland a run for their money, even though Oakland is playing at home because, you know, we saw just how quickly their offensive, uh, you know, side of the ball fell apart without, you know, uh, Derek Carr in there. While the Texans are getting Lamar Miller back this weekend, their defense is still one of the best in the league. Hmm. And, and again, they've already they've already gotten used to and, and acclimated themselves to the type of play that they've gotten from quarterback this season. Unlike unlike the Raiders, so I think this could be a dangerous matchup for the Raiders, and I think that they could be, you know, I, I would not be surprised if the Texans win this weekend. Yeah, well, that there's all three of us have gone uh, with the Texans, and that one myself and Ross also went that way and agree 
with all the the points you've made there i think i think they'll win i think it'll be a low scoring game but i think uh, they'll win it probably by you know six points to, to maybe 10 points so it's gonna be an interesting one all the same even you know it's playoff football we're all gonna we're all gonna tune in and watch uh, i think uh, the next one was the lions and the seahawks uh, both myself and ross kind of lean towards the seahawks but uh, i think there's gonna be a lot closer than a lot of people think and i do think there's a chance that the the lions possibly squeak this one out because i said that when i said to ross about the the win against the pats uh, all those weeks back that's the only time i thought that they really had a strong performance this season and they, they've really struggled to, to have consistency since that so i don't think the seahawks team is uh, anything like it has been in the past no and and part of the problem is they haven't had other than my boy CJ Procise, they haven't really had consistent production from the running back position or even from the quarterback position. You know, uh, Russell Wilson's rushing numbers tailed off this year as opposed yeah. to the last few years. So I think that this is a team that's been forced to rely on the pass more uh, to make up for their lack of running. And, you know, when you think about it, they're also going through a hard time. They just lost arguably their... I would say their second best wide receiver. I don't think that's really a stretch yep. uh, in entire locket for the rest of the season. And, you know, you're going to rely on Doug Baldwin. You're going to rely on Jimmy Graham. But the problem is, is th- this Seattle Seahawks team is going through such a facelift. It's going through such a, an image change because it's being forced to rely on the pass more because they just have abandoned the run as much as they have. And they've been a terrific run team, you know, the past few years. But this year they haven't gotten much from Thomas Rawls. C.J. Procise got hurt, and, you know, um, Christine Michael, obviously, he was there, but then, you know, after the first few games, he tapered off as well. So I think this is going to be a team that they're going to have to rely on their defense, and obviously that's one of the best defenses in the league. But the Lions, the thing is with the Lions is that they have some strong pieces, and I think one of the things we have to think about is they've gotten DeAndre Levy back, who, you know, he's been out for the most part of the last two seasons, and he's finally getting his groove back and becoming a, a big guy in that front seven for them. And, you know, they have Darius Slay in there. And I think the thing is, is that, you know, the, the big thing, you know, is can someone like Jimmy Graham, you know, beat up on this front seven? Can they, you know, work on this? Can they rely on him uh, like they have all season? I think that's going to be the key because I don't know if you can trust much from their run game. So I, I think it's going to be a lot closer than like you said. I still think Seattle wins this game. Also, the fact that they're at home, which they, I think their home away splits are pretty uneven. Yeah, crazy. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I, I would tend to think that Seattle's going to win this game. But again, like you said, I don't think it's going to be as, as much of a blowout as people might think just because of you know Seattle and playoff time. Yeah, I think a real key to it is, and I mentioned with Ross, is the Lions have struggled for a pass rush this season. They only have six sacks in the last seven, as I mentioned with him as well. But this offensive line uh, is really, really uh, struggling. I know you mentioned the run game. You mentioned Russell Wilson's rush yards. I think it's a lot of it is also down to the offensive line of the Seahawks, which is uh, pretty much abysmal. And you mentioned the Seahawks' defense, and I kind of hinted at it with Ross, and Ross came straight out and called them pretty mediocre over the last eight games. So I think uh, it's going to be an interesting one. And maybe by the time this game actually comes around, I might actually be uh, picking the Lions to win it as, a, as an upset uh, in this week's games. The next game up, and this is one 
that uh, obviously the Miami Dolphins have uh, lost to the Patriots this past week, but they, they travelled to Pittsburgh this week, and they did beat um, the Steelers, I think it was week six, and JAJE put up uh, 240 yards against the Steelers in that one. Uh, I think the Steelers, you know, we all talk about Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown, Big Ben, what they can do, how explosive they can be, but they really have been, in my opinion, Jekyll and Hyde, kind of offensively and defensively this year. There's some games where they look great on both sides of the ball. There's some games where they just look absolutely abysmal. So I think it's going to be dependent on which one turns up. A lot of people are expecting them to go in and roll in this one. Uh, Matt Moore is likely to be the starter in this one for the Miami Dolphins. Ryan Tannehill didn't practice today. He is hoping to have some practice this week, but I still think it's a very, very slim chance with that knee injury that he suffered. But I think the Dolphins are going to rely heavily on J.J. I think their their defense is rounding into a nice little bit of shape as they head into the playoffs here. But Pittsburgh, in my opinion, will be too strong. But as I mentioned, you know they they really, in my opinion, are a, a Jekyll and Hyde team. We all think they're a, you know can be a scary team. Possibly could even go and probably take on the Patriots at their at their own game. But I can't see that happening. I just think they're too up and down. How do you see this one going, Doug? Do you think Pittsburgh rolls, or do you think Miami uh, really puts it up to them in this one? Yeah, I, I, I can't have a lot of faith in Miami. Uh, there's a couple of reasons. Obviously, the first one being they're playing with Matt Moore. And I think Matt Moore has, has been underrated as, you know, as a reliable backup option. I'm not going to sing praises for him, but he's been around for a long time. You know, I think he was with Carolina for a while, too, if I'm not mistaken. But he's just been around for a while, and he's stepped up, you know, especially considering, you know, what a backup quarterback is usually able to do. We've seen pretty well out of him. But the problem here. And, and, you know, you, you mentioned the Miami defense. I have to disagree with you. My problem with the Miami defense is that they've suffered so many injuries in their not even injuries, but their their lack of depth in the secondary is a big issue. Yeah. You know, they've lost both of their safeties, uh, starting safeties, Rashad Jones and um, Issa. I can't remember what his name is. Issa. Oh, God. It, it, it's, it's a long name, but <laughs> I can't remember. Safety for them. And. You know, they, they also don't have very good cornerback depth either. Um, and I think that's going to be something that, you know, the Steelers are going to try and exploit. The other thing is, is that, you know, Mario Williams, he was signed to be this big free agent acquisition, you know, and produce some pass rush. And while Cameron Wake has done that on one side, he hasn't on the other. He was actually a healthy scratch, I believe, in week 17 against the Patriots. I don't think he's going to play again this weekend. And, you know, it's hard for a guy like Cameron Wake to, to Bruce it all on his own. I don't think the Patriots gave up any sacks actually to, you know, the Dolphins this past weekend. And I think that the, the Steelers offensive line is probably pretty average. Um, but I think the big thing here is that, you know, the Steelers are at home. They've rested their, their three main guys. And I think they're going to really exploit the secondary of the, uh, of, of the, the Dolphins. But like you mentioned, we got to worry about J.H.I. You know, he's a guy who who has stepped up. He hasn't, you know, put up 200 yards every week, you know, obviously, but he's still a guy who's been a reliable source of production and and being able to move the chains. So while I think that Miami isn't going to go away quietly, I just think that, you know, the strengths of Pittsburgh are going to match up well against the weaknesses of of, uh, Miami. Yeah, I I think think if uh, both teams play their full potential here, I think there's no doubt that Pittsburgh does win this game, and if they play to their potential, I think they win it quite comfortably. The issue is if they start slow and, you know, maybe, as I mentioned, don't uh, play to what that potential is, uh, the Dolphins have a chance here to to cause an upset. But I I do think 
I was kind of trying to put up a fight, uh, you know, with the defensive comment that they would uh, have a chance here to, to slow the Steelers down. But I, I think this is where the, the Steelers will pick their game up, and I think they'll win it quite comfortably. I think they'll probably win it, you know, by 10 to 14 points. And uh, I'm, I'm actually looking forward to seeing how this one goes. And as I mentioned with that Tannehill note earlier, I, I don't think there's any chance that he suits up in this one. I think Matt Moore yeah, plays in this and, one. And I, and I just want to point out real quick, you know, we've seen all season the Steelers have struggled really to find a number – a number two guy, you know, besides Antonio Brown and obviously Le'Veon Bell stepped up, but a number two guy, or maybe even a number three guy, a number three guy in this offense that can catch the ball. Now he hasn't done necessarily a lot, but my boy Ladarius Green, he's practicing. Uh. He, he had a full practice today. Uh, he's fully expected to be back for the wild card game, and he can really stretch this defense, uh, or I'm sorry, stretch this offense. Um, you know, he's a guy who, you know, I think is still one of the better receiving tight ends in the league. And I think that, you know, he was really developing a role before he had that, you know, another concussion. So I think that adds another dimension to this this Pittsburgh offense. Even if Miami is successful in shutting down, you know, Antonio Brown, uh, Antonio Brown and or Le'Veon Bell. So it's just another weapon for the Steelers to have. And like you said, if, if their full potentials, if both teams' full potentials came out and, and, and were on the field, I don't think that. Pittsburgh would have any issues against Miami. Yeah, and uh, Doug again with the the Ladarius Green love. He's not somebody that I'm a big a big fan of, but he does have that ability to uh, really get vertical uh, at the tight end position and uh, hurt a defense in big big ways. So we'll see how he does this week. <laughs> but uh, I, I think without him, they're still going to win. The wide receivers have kind of been taking turns and stepping up every week. So uh, we're both going for a Pittsburgh win in that one. I talked about the Dolphins defense, maybe. I was saying they were uh, good, you know, particularly looking at how my Packers have been playing over the last couple of weeks. They are absolutely decimated at the secondary level. Uh, so beat up and, you know, another couple of players went down this past week. Their status is up in the air and it's not looking all that good for this week. Uh, with Rollins going down, Randall also went down against the Lions. They're 31st in the league versus the pass. So the Giants, although their offense has been uh, not all that, uh, you know, potent this season they do have Odell Beckham they can hurt you in that way Sterling Shepard has had his moments this season as a rookie and um, you know it's 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 obviously going to be a tough matchup for the Packers it's in Lambeau Field but I have uh, you know disappointing memories of the Giants coming to Lambeau Field uh, a couple of times in recent memory 2007 and 2011 they both came to to Lambeau and uh, beat the Packers uh, and knocked them out of the playoffs one of those seasons they were rolling at 15 and 1 when it happened so you know the Giants coming in uh, with Eli Manning, I think Manning's had a very, very poor season. Uh, I think the Giants offensively have been very poor outside of Odell Beckham this year. And, uh, you know, I think their defense is the, the real strength of this team, which I would arguably put in the, the top three in the NFL at the moment with how they've played over the last kind of six or eight weeks. They're pretty much keeping teams below 20 points uh, in every game. There's uh, quite a few games as well. They've kept opponents under 50 or 14 points. Sorry. So uh, although the Packers can't put up points, it is a, a tough matchup for them. Uh, I do expect the Packers to get through it and win it, but I don't think it's going to be uh, a blowout by any standards. Doug, have you some good news for me? Are you going to, to expect the Packers to win this week, or are you uh, on board with the Giants? Yeah, I mean, the big thing, like you pointed out, the Packers are dealing... I, I would think that the, the strength of the Packers' defense, which unfortunately I don't think there is much of, no. is going to be their secondary. <laughs> I think... You know, I, I, I you know, and I'm not trying, I'm not trying to be insulting, but I think that their, their strength is they have, you know, they still have some guys in the secondary, you know, at safety and a cornerback that I think can, can produce. But like you said, there's a couple injuries there. 
that they're they're worrisome that would change how they game plan and obviously change the strength and and how strong this unit would be. Yeah. You know, like you said, there there are two dangerous weapons for the Giants on that offense. You know, that's Odell Beckham and that's Sterling Shepard. You know, and both have stepped up, like you said, at different points of the season. And you know, obviously, like you said, the Giants haven't been that strong on offense overall this season. I, I don't disagree with you at all in regards to their defense being the strength of this team. It's it's a lot better than I expected. Janoris Jenkins has been a shutdown corner. Yeah. Eli Apple has stepped up. Landon Collins has played like a perennial a defensive player of yeah. the year. But they've also gotten pass rush. You know, they have Olivier Vernon. You know, obviously, you know, if they had Jason Pierre-Paul, it'd be even more dangerous. But, you know, uh, Damon Harrison as well. They've all stepped up. Um, but I think the thing we have to think about is Paul Perkins has stepped up as of late. Yeah. He's seen his role increase over the second half of the season. I think I read something today that he could even be the starter. And I think that's the wise thing to do. Because we saw earlier on in the season, the Packers' run defense was top in the league, I believe. But it just tailored off. It just it fell apart. And, you know, I think the thing is, is that if the Giants can produce a run game to go along with a, I would say an above-average pass game, that's going to be really dangerous for them. But on the other side, the Packers, I, I think it's safe to say the reason they're in the playoffs by far is because of their, their passing offense. They've been terrific. Aaron Rodgers has played into the MVP discussion. You know, Jordy Nelson has stepped up after tearing his ACL last year. Uh, Devontae Adams has stepped up. And then Ty Montgomery, even talking about the run game. Ty Montgomery, I was a huge fan of, but at wide receiver. And, and look what he's doing at running back. You know, they've really, you know, they played their way into the playoffs, which is how well their offense has played. But again, they're going up against arguably one of the best defenses in the league right now. So it's a strength versus strength matchup. And I think the thing is to look at the weakness versus weakness matchup and see who has the edge there. And I think depending on the injuries and who plays for the Packers and who doesn't, that's going to be the key here. But it's tough. It's tough because I think this is arguably the biggest test that the Packers have had when it comes to defensive matchups in a while. And, you know, Aaron Rodgers has been lights out. He's been terrific. Um, I'm going to say that the Packers win this, but it's not going to be it's not going to be a blowout by any. I think it's going to be a very close game, but I also wouldn't be surprised if the Giants win. But if I had to pick a team, I would think just because of how well. Packers have played in the fact that they're at home which is never a bad thing in the playoffs I'm going to have to say the Packers edge this out yeah I, I hope you're right and I'm just looking through here some of the scores that they've put up recently you know 31 last week 38 the week before 30 before that 38 before that 21 then was in the snow against the Texans 27 before that so they, they have been really putting up uh, a lot of points over that stretch and I think it's going to be tough to put that a number of points up this week but I I find it hard to see, even with their defensive issues, uh, you know, they have been having a great turnaround over the past six games and takeaways. I think they had 15 takeaways over the last eight games, maybe, and they're, they're obviously not giving the ball away with how the offense is uh, humming over and they're getting a lot of points off takeaways. So, you know, we've, we've seen a lot of times with defenses that are ranked near the bottom of the league, if you can get some of those, even if you give up those points, but if you can get some key stops, get some turnovers, uh, it can really help you from that 
scenario, you know, Eli always has that kind of opportunity to throw an interception or two. So I'm, I'm positive enough going in, but I'm I'm not uh, daft enough to to not respect this uh, Giants defense. They've been great to watch this season, and you know we don't often see teams going into free agency and everything clicking for them in that first year. But we have seen it with the Giants this year. They've done a tremendous job through free agency assembling this, and obviously you mentioned Eli Apple too, uh, who. Myself included, a lot of people kind of said the Giants were wrong with that pick, but uh, he's a, he's had a nice season for them as well. So that's all the four games run through. I also did a little thing with Ross where I asked him who he thought would win the Super Bowl this year. He went for a Cowboys versus Patriots Super Bowl with the Patriots winning it all. And, of course, Tom Brady picking up that uh, fifth ring just so he has one for his thumb as well. But uh, how, how do you want to have a go? Who do you think is going to win it all? And how do you think it plays out? I'm... When it comes to the Cowboys, I'm just concerned. Uh, you know, the one thing that we don't really count for when we look at playoff matchups and when we look at teams and how well they did in the regular season and how they do, you know, in the playoffs is their two biggest stars, I think, you know, singular stars for the Cowboys are rookies. And while they've all had big moments, you know, Ezekiel Elliott played in, you know, national championship. I think they he won a national championship while at Ohio State. Um, and then also Dak Prescott, you know, played at Mississippi State. They had some good years. You can't discount the fact that they don't have NFL playoff experience. And, you know, they have a terrific offensive line. And, you know, they, 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 they're clicking on every facet of their game. I know they lost, you know, last week to the Eagles. But, again, that was, you know, they were sitting most of their players or not using them as much. So, I don't know. I, I'm not so sure about about the Cowboys just because of their lack of experience. It's nice that they can play at home throughout the playoffs, but you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if a team like the Packers came in or a team like the Seahawks came in and gave them a lot of trouble because they know how to prepare for it. Jason Garrett, he's played in the playoffs how many times as a head coach, or not played but coached as a you know yeah. in the playoffs. You know, that's another thing to think about. So that's just, for me, I think the Cowboys are a terrific team. They obviously deserve, you know, the number one spot. But I wouldn't be surprised if a more seasoned team, when it comes to playoff experience, comes in and gives them a run for their money and just overwhelms them. So if I had to pick an NFC, it's tough. If I had to pick an NFC team right now, I would probably say the Packers. Um, I would say the Packers probably make it to the Super Bowl. Just because of the momentum that they have, that'll be a fun preview show. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, I think that it, it comes down to they have a ton of playoff experience. They're used to playing on that stage and just how well that team has played. Like you mentioned, I didn't even know that they had that many takeaways on defense, which is something to also keep in mind. If you can get adequate or above adequate, you know, production out of your defense, along with that, you know, top three offense, I, I would be scared for any NFC team. So I would say the Packers are going to make it to the Super Bowl. The other side for the AFC, um, if I have time to do it, I know I just spoke for who, who knows how long. A, but, a Doug Moore minute. Yeah, a Doug Moore minute, as we discussed before the show. <laughs> um, but, you know, obviously I think the Patriots are the, are the favorite going into this. They're extremely healthy, I would say, besides Rob Gronkowski, but they're used to not having him. They've, they haven't suffered that many injuries this season outside of Gronkowski. They suffered a couple of injuries um, so they're extremely healthy. They have home field advantage throughout the playoffs. Even though the funny thing is, is that they're actually 
undefeated on the road, and both their losses came at home this season. But I, I'm not so sure that that really matters. No. Um, I I think also the situation with you know the the Raiders losing Derek Carr, uh, you know who knows how long the Dolphins are without Ryan Tannehill, and, and the fact that Houston just really has no good quarterback option. Those are going to make them weaker teams. And obviously we're talking, and then we we leave the top three seats in there uh, with you know Kansas City, New England, and Pittsburgh. I would say the biggest team to worry about for the Patriots is going to be the Chiefs. And the reason being is that, you know, even though they've had some injuries, you know, they lost Jamal Charles, uh, they lost, um, I'm I'm trying to think who they're, they're, they have an edge rusher. Justin Houston. Justin Houston. You know, they've had some injuries, but they still played terrific this season. Uh, You know, they've gotten production out of their run game. Spencer Ware, uh, Tyreek Hill has been a nice find for them in, in regards to production. Um, and, and their defense has played well. You know, Marcus Peters is still continuing to play like a borderline shutdown corner. They've had terrific safety play from Eric Berry this season. So, And also, Alex Smith has just been a very consistent playmaker for them. Again, not making a lot of mistakes. Not saying he's a game manager, but he can make all the right throws. And he hasn't made many mistakes. So I'm, I would say that the Patriots' biggest concern would be the Chiefs, and they wouldn't play them until the championship anyway. Um but I can't go against the Patriots. They're just riding high on momentum, and, and they're the strongest team on paper right now. So I would actually say, for the sake of our show, <laughs> it could be a Patriots versus Packers matchup in the Super Bowl. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Uh, I, I didn't really give my thoughts with Ross. We'll jump in now. I think you mentioned the top three seeds there in the AFC. I think out of those three, there's no chance of the rest of them getting to the, the Super Bowl. And I usually wouldn't say with that much confidence, but I think the Patriots are a huge, huge favourite. I think they'll definitely, in my opinion, get to the AFC Championship game. And I think then the Chiefs are a very complete team. Uh, a lot of their results come off uh, key turnovers. We mentioned that the Packers, the turnovers, even last week when they beat the uh, Chargers, they had a, a pick six. Uh, you know, they're, they're very opportunistic. They have a lot of scores off uh, special teams, whether it's punt returns or kickoff returns with Tyreek Hill. But I think they're always dangerous like that. They're very hard to plan for because they have so many kind of small nuances to the offense. They're not that explosive, but they do it through kind of not that they're not explosive, but you know with those plays to hell and that a lot of gadget plays and so on and so forth. I think they have that opportunity. I don't think the the Steelers are going to be consistent enough and. I think uh, when it comes to you know playing in the AFC Championship game, I think the, the Patriots have too much, and, and I, I find it really hard to see them not making it to the Super Bowl this year. On the other side, you know I agree with your sentiments on the, the Cowboys, and I actually think it'll be either the Falcons or the Packers that do eventually make it uh, there to the Super Bowl to represent the NFC. So I think either of those teams, uh, you know, even if the Cowboys get there, they're obviously a, a, a deserving representative. But I think the Falcons this season have been absolutely terrific, and I think Matt Ryan's been excellent i think their run game has been good and i think their defense has been you know not not great but it has been adequate so i think either them or the packers so it's gonna be very interesting to see how it plays out i I mentioned with ross i'm much more excited about the nfc side than the afc side to see how it all shakes down i think you know there's a lot more potentially exciting matchups there the the afc side seems like it's kind of set in stone and that probably means that the nfc will be uh, born and uh, the afc will be fantastic but we'll we'll see what happens there but as always uh We're going to get the playoff games to watch this week. I mentioned already about uh, the t-shirt competitions on uh, my Twitter page. Doug's Twitter page is at DMoreNFL. 
Uh, I gave it out wrong last week and Doug did correct me. It's at D Moore, not at Doug Moore. So at D Moore NFL and then at Overtime Ireland for myself. Uh, and I'm always looking to get an interaction ahead of the game. So looking forward to this weekend, Doug. I'm sure you're looking forward to it too. Kind of a weekend for you just to, to scout out some potential opponents for the Patriots and see what happens there. And hopefully when we come back next week and uh, we're talking again, the Packers are still rolling uh, in the playoffs. Anything, Doug, that you want to give a plug to that you've uh, got coming out this week? Uh, not really. It, it's hard to write about a lot until you, you know who the Patriots are playing. Yeah, it's tough too. Um, yeah, it, it's just tough. I mean, not much is going on for the team. No big injuries to worry about. You know, Danny Amendola is coming back. But, you know, there, there wasn't really a lot of absences to begin with. So it's hard to write about it. And, and obviously, as, as everybody knows, uh, as I made it clear, you know, throughout the season, I'm I'm now officially shifting away from, you know, fantasy football in regards to writing, which, you know, if I could take a second or a dug more minute to just, you know, say that, you know, that's, you know, I, I appreciate everything that I was able to do in that sort of field and industry just because that's how I got my start. And I'll be honest, I don't know how many people know this. I was literally a kid who had two followers on Twitter and I basically just looked up fantasy football writers wanted on twitter and that's how i got my start i found somebody who was looking for fan football writers it was a small site but it got me started and uh you know here two and a half years later uh you know i'm writing for you know an affiliate of espn i'm on a great podcast with you and um you know i have the opportunity to, to do things you know such as you know be in the press box for for patriots games and and just be able to have the experiences and the interactions that i do so it's a tough thing, but I will be staying obviously on with with Overtime Ireland. I can't quit you, Calm. I, I never will. <laughs> Your drug um, of choice. I, I, I yeah, I, I I'm stuck. You're stuck with me. Um, but um, you know, it's it just you know, it, it's it's it's, and we've talked about this. It's really tough. There's so many great people in in the fantasy football industry yeah. that that right. You know, we've had so many great on, and there's so many more out there that are much smarter than myself. Uh, not necessarily you, but myself, I can say. Uh, they're much smarter than me, and uh, it's hard to keep up. So you either join them or you quit them, and unfortunately in this situation, I can't join them. So. But, um, no, it, it, it's been an honor, and um, you know, I'm still excited to stay on at OTI. And um, like I said, you can't quit me. You can't get rid of me. And um, But, uh, yeah, so yeah, that, that's, that's what I plugged. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, that was the Doug Moore 30 for 30 special here on uh, at OTI. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, obviously it's uh, it's been a great uh, journey this season having Doug on the show. I'm looking forward to previewing all the games into the playoffs. And uh, I mentioned previously uh, with his Patriots uh, stuff on his account, it definitely is a must follow for all Patriots fans out there. And of course, if you're getting ready for maybe your team might be playing the Patriots in the, the playoffs this year, definitely give him a follow at NFL. I am at Overtime Ireland. And until we're back next week with another show, of course, have a good one. Thank you for listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Check out OvertimeIreland.com and continue to spread the word. This has been an Overtime Ireland production.